God, thank you so much for your word. And I pray today, Father, that you would use it to encourage us and to challenge us and to strengthen us uh, for life in this world around us. We do love you and praise you. And I pray, Father, your spirit would fill me up that I could proclaim your word to your people through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Paul writes here, he says, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, and, and before, before this, the therefore is that he's been telling the Thessalonians he really wants to see them face to face. He'd really love to be with them. He's wanting to come to them, but Satan has hindered him and he hasn't found his way back to them. Uh, so that's the therefore. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this, that is, afflictions. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason... When I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I remember back in the United States when I was a young Christian, we had ways of sharing the gospel. And one of the big things that had come out uh, at the time uh, from Campus Crusade for Christ uh, through a man named Bill Bright, a great evangelist that's since gone to be with the Lord. It was something that they called the four spiritual laws. And, uh, and the four spiritual laws were great. They were something that were easy to remember and easy to hang your hat on if you were going to share the gospel to people. You could start out with the four spiritual laws. And, and I'll never forget spiritual law number one. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And it's a beautiful thing to say. God loves you. I mean, we all know that. God does love us. And he does have a wonderful plan for our life. And so it's true as far as that goes. But I also remember how hard it was when I learned how difficult it was to live as a Christian. God does love us and he has a wonderful plan for his life. But I've always said that I would remake the four spiritual laws, or at least the first one, and say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and it's going to hurt. Because that's more in line with the reality. And unfortunately, over the years, we have seen so many people fall away from following Jesus. And frankly, I've seen so many leaders stop leading, stop following Jesus, even friends that I went to, to seminary with back in the 1980s who stopped following the Lord or, or at least stopped leading churches because it was difficult, because of these afflictions that come to us. And so people get offended when they follow Jesus and they expect things to go well and they expect life to be easy or at least better sometimes, and they follow Jesus and things get worse, and the, inflict the afflictions intensify, uh, and they're upset by this, and they want to walk away. I remember even when I started ministry, believing somehow, and I never vocalized this, but I think inside of me there was this sense that if I love Jesus, 
and I loved people, and I did what God told me to do, that people, everybody would follow me, that the church would grow, and people would love me more. And actually what I discovered very early on in ministry is that I could do everything that people said they wanted me to do, from increasing the, the size of the church to building a new church building. I could do everything they said they wanted me to do, and they could still hate me, and they could still be upset with me, and they could still stab me in the back. And I actually learned that sometimes the people I spent the most time with were the very people who were the first people to turn on me in a moment. And it really was a challenge. And in fact, I, like many others, thought about leaving the church until I began to realize that these afflictions do not contradict the gospel, that actually afflictions confirm the gospel. I mean, that's the brilliance of what Paul said here. He said, hey, you all, you're going through afflictions, but remember this. I kept telling you that you're going to go through afflictions, and now you know that what I told you time after time was absolutely true. And so this should confirm us in the faith, not contradict our faith, yet for many people, afflictions contradict our faith. So the, the question is then, how do we get to this point in our lives where afflictions do not contradict our faith or undermine our faith, but actually build our faith. And I think Paul gives us some insights here. The first is we have to understand the given of afflictions. Afflictions are going to happen. The Bible is clear. One of the clearest promises of Jesus and the apostles, one of the clearest promises is that we will have afflictions. We will have afflictions. This is promised. It's in there time after time after time. We know that this is going to happen. And we experience afflictions in two ways. And afflictions, by definition, these are things that cause pressure. These are things that tend to squeeze us. The idea of an affliction is almost like being being toothpaste that's being squeezed out of the tube and feeling like that toothpaste, that's a mental picture for the kind of pressure that afflictions imply. And they come at us from two directions, these promised afflictions. First of all, we have afflictions from within. We go through our own afflictions. I don't know about you, but in an average week, in an average week, there are days when I feel depressed. There are times when I feel discouraged. There are times when I feel like I want to just give up. There are times that I feel really annoyed with my fellow human beings. You know, I'm tempted to walk through the streets of London and, and look at the people who are walking uh, in the street while using their, their mobiles and think, stupid people, stupid people. You know, there, there, there are all these things that are coming up from inside of me, these annoyances and, and all of these things that I experience. And frankly, if I wasn't a Christian, it wasn't, wouldn't really be a problem because I'd be walking around criticizing people and think I'm justified in it, but I know that I'm not justified in it. So, so when I'm walking around, I might be walking around going, stupid people. But then I say, 
and Lord, bless them, please. You know, keep them alive. Don't let them die. Uh, And and it's, it's a constant kind of thing, and this comes from inside of us. And we need to expect this is going to happen. A lot of people, they walk away from their faith because they expect that they'll never have doubts. Everybody has doubts. Everybody struggles with this stuff. Everybody wrestles with a sense of hopelessness and helplessness from time to time. We're all going to go through this, and this is part of living life as a Christian because the reality of Jesus and the, where Jesus is taking us in this world will always be in tension with the reality of life. We'll always be torn in these ways. And these are the afflictions that come from within. But the Bible also says we'll have afflictions that come from without. These pressures that come because a lot of people don't like Christians. We might not have overt persecution in this nation, but certainly we do have a pressure, a constant pressure, to minimize and even deny our faith in Jesus Christ. To disguise it, to not let it influence us in some way, shape, or form. That's always there. We have pressure from friends who want us to do certain things and act in certain ways that we know is not, are not right. We can even get pressure from people in church who have their own ideas about what it means to live the Christian life and oftentimes are walking in some kind of legalism and they're giving us pressure to conform to their legalism rather than walk in the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. There's so many different ways that we will experience these afflictions, but the big thing in order to deal with it is to understand that they're given. These are going to happen. There's only one guaranteed way, if you're a Christian, to stop affliction, and that's to die. And I, you know, I I won't ask for volunteers. I generally don't get any. No, that's the only way. Otherwise, we will have afflictions. They are promised. They are a given. And if we expect it and understand that they're a given, then they will make all the difference. But we also need to understand the two big temptations that come whenever we go through afflictions. And these two temptations are always there. And we need to expect the temptations every bit as much as we expect the affliction. Because if you don't expect the temptation, you'll get the affliction and then you'll succumb to the temptation. What are the two temptations? The first is a temptation that our afflictions will move us or disturb us. Uh, The word that Paul uses there uh, when he says, uh, um, you know, um, that no one, verse 3, be moved by these afflictions, really means you're being disturbed by them that they're really troubling you. And we can allow our afflictions to trouble us. And the way that we do that is we focus on the affliction. You can focus on the affliction. You can look at the affliction. You can think constantly about the the affliction, and that's the danger. It's a bit like hiking in the Scottish Highlands. One of the great afflictions of Scotland is something called midges. Now, I remember when I first went to Scotland, I'd heard about midges, And I thought people were rather silly to talk about these little gnat-like creatures that are very small insects, 
you can barely see them, and they're really tiny, and you can hardly, you can see them flying around a little bit, and I thought, come on, people, grow up. I thought people in Scotland were tough, you know, and these are just little bitty insects, and I remember the first time I was hiking out in one of the great glens there in Scotland, uh, a little national uh, parky kind of area, and I was walking, and I'm walking, and I see this cloud on the pathway in front of me. And as I'm getting closer, I'm thinking, oh, this is little insects. It's a cloud of little insects. And I thought, you know, this must be midges. Okay, I'm going to prove my manhood. I am going to walk straight into those midges. And I'm going to go straight through the midges. And I'm going to show what sissies the Scottish men are. And I walked into those midges. And I'm like, Ow, oh, ow, ow, oh, it's in my hair. It's in my hair. Oh, oh, it's, it's terrible. Oh, it's up my trousers. Oh, it's up my trousers. And it was, it was amazing. They're terrible. You never want to encounter them. They're little demons. They're demons from the pit of hell. I know it. And so, but the thing is, our afflictions are really like midges. I don't know anybody that has died from a midge. Unless they've, the midge has caused them to jump off a mountain or something like that. And then it's not the midge that did it, it's their response to the midge. And that's it. Most of these afflictions, they won't destroy, they certainly won't destroy us, none of them will. And most of them cannot even harm us genuinely unless we give them power unless we let them move us. And that's the first temptation. The second temptation, and this is the tempter's temptation that Paul is talking about. The second temptation, and notice how my, my head's itching now. I'm thinking about midges. It's terrible. It's terrible. And if you think it's, you know, I bless you with midges unless uh, if you think that they're not bad, you know, that may you encounter them one day. You know, probably just one midge would be enough to convince you. Anyway, uh, so you got to get, get them out of my hair. Uh, the, the second temptation is that we would be offended because of the affliction. There are a lot of people who go through afflictions and they take offense. They allow themselves to feel offense because God lets them go through an affliction. And this is the tempter's temptation. He will tell you, you know, if God really loved you, he wouldn't put you through an affliction. If God really loved you, he wouldn't do this. But actually, I've learned something teaching the students here at Four Mission College, and you know, having Josh here and, uh, as one of the, the professors, one of the teachers, uh, is that if you don't make students suffer, they won't learn anything. That's why they have exams and papers. Because if they don't suffer through the process of studying, they won't learn. And so an exam shouldn't offend us an exam is there to confirm us in what we've learned. And afflictions should not offend us. Afflictions, rightly understood, will confirm us in who we are and what we've learned. So how do we defeat these things in our lives? You, you can't really, you, you can't go without affliction. It's going to be there. But how do you overcome? How do you be undisturbed, if you will, by afflictions. Well, first of all, according to Paul, we need to be established in our faith. That's why he sent Timothy. And that means that we need to stand firm on our faith. And one of the best ways of doing that is just to look at Jesus. 
Jesus bore the cross, the greatest affliction imaginable for us, but that led to the empty tomb. And in the same way, our faith has to be grounded in the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. We have to stand firm on that foundation to be unmoved, to be firmly established in that place. If you don't know the death and resurrection of Jesus, you will always be moved. You will always be disturbed by afflictions. The second thing, and the second goal of, uh, role of Timothy, was to exhort and comfort people in their faith. We need to come alongside each other to encourage each other, to walk alongside one another, to keep going in afflictions. Nobody can successfully bear afflictions alone. Even Jesus did not bear afflictions alone until it came to the cross. And then Jesus did what only he could do as fully God, fully human, in dying for us on the cross. We cannot bear it alone. We need to be with one another to exhort and comfort one another as we're going through, saying, you can get through it. You can make it because we can. And this means three, that we need to speak about our faith to one another. That's again why Paul sent Timothy. He says, I want to learn about your faith. How do you learn? You hear from other people. And we need to talk with one another about the afflictions we're going through. We need to speak with one another about what we're dealing with. We need to be talking about it openly, especially us men, because most of the time, us men, we're like, I'm tough. No, but we're not. And this is why we need other men to stand beside us. And I love my wife, and nobody can replace my wife, but I also understand what it means when David said to Jonathan, your love to me is better than that of a woman. He's not saying that he was gay. He's saying that there's something in the love between men that is so powerful that we need one another. And we need that to stand together. In the end, we have to understand what afflictions are all about. The thing that changed me, and I'll close with this, the thing that really made all the difference for me and really was key for me not leaving the ministry because I thought about leaving the ministry. I was in a conference one time and the conference speaker uh, told everybody of a vision that he'd had. And in this vision, he was sitting in God's, uh, in God's lap, on God's knee, and God the Father was talking to him and encouraging him and was telling him about how beautiful he was uh, and how proud of him that he was. And, uh, and this guy had gone through a really, really difficult time. There were three people in particular uh, who, who had been really challenging him. And God brought out before this man a beautiful statue. And the man said, who's that? And God said, well, that's you. And he said, that's the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen. And then God said, well, do you want to know, do you want to see the guys who, who chiseled this out for you? And he said, yes. And the three guys that came before him were the three men who had been giving him such a hard time. And I realized in that moment that our afflictions are tools that God uses to make us truly beautiful and the remarkable people that he has designed us to be in Jesus Christ. Afflictions are a given, but by faith, we can go through them and they will produce in us that which is truly beautiful 
in honor of our Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. We don't want afflictions and we don't pray for them. We don't ask for more afflictions in any way, shape, or form. But we pray, Lord, that all the afflictions that come to us, we ask that they might fully accomplish everything that you desire so that we can become the beautiful people that you have created us to be. Use them, these afflictions, to mold us and shape us so that day by day, moment by moment, week by week, we become more and more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you and praise you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.